Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 36 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a warm warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have an Oscar winning glitz and glamour of a show lined up for you today. In a short while I'll be sharing with you an interview with Sophie Fletcher. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media and also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest, Sophie Fletcher, this week. We shall be exploring her pioneering mindful mama approach to hypnobirthing this week. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's just hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the Hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today I have this week's interview. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Sophie Fletcher to Hypnosis Weekly. I first encountered Sophie through professional circles a great many years ago it seems. And then we actually met up, yes real life human interaction, we met uh, on a supervision training course that I had been coerced into attending by a hypnotherapy association in order to be listed as a fully qualified supervisor for the graduates of my college. That's a, that's a story for another day. Anyway, Sophie and I got chatting one lunchtime. We discovered that we had a lot in common, including the fact that we'd both been at Manchester University at the same time studying for our undergraduate degrees. And we discussed all the Manchester student nights, buildings, events and experiences while there. It was lovely. Since then, I've really learned to appreciate Sophie and her work. Her mindful mama approach to birthing is proving very successful, and her recent book, Mindful Hypnobirthing, is selling incredibly well around the world. We'll be discussing that process in detail later on in today's show. First up, I've got to interview Sophie. So for now, get comfy, my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea, enjoy this week's interview. (music) 
So, as I've been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome to Hypnosis Weekly the one and only Sophie Fletcher. Welcome to Hypnosis Weekly, Sophie. Hello, Adam, and thank you for inviting me. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Now then, let's, uh, let's, let's roll our sleeves up, get straight into it. Tell us a little bit about your background. You know, how did you get into this field and uh, have you, how have you arrived at where you are now with it? Well, I suppose like many people, I came to it through my own experience. Um, I would never have thought about using hypnosis um, until I saw it on Richard and Judy. And I must have been <laughs> the early, well, 2005, I think it was. And um, my mum rang up and said, oh, quick, 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 turn on the telly. They're talking about pain-free birth. Yeah. And I was 15 weeks pregnant at the time and thought, yep, I'll have some of that. So I tuned in and thought, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I wasn't convinced by it, but I thought I'd have a go. And I bought some CDs and I listened to them throughout my pregnancy. And I had just a really easy pregnancy compared to my first. Um, And I had booked a hypnosis course for when I was 32 weeks pregnant, but actually went into labor that that same week, very early. But the, the CDs worked and... Um, it was amazing. I was induced because he was early and was um, at risk, but um, I managed it brilliantly. And even my husband was amazed. And um, and from that point onwards, I think I was. I, I, th- I think it was more curiosity because I didn't know that much about it. And he encouraged me to go on a course just to find out a little bit more about it. So I somehow managed to fit that in around being a new mum and my job as well. Yeah, and. Um, was absolutely blown away by its application. And, um, and I always knew I wanted to do pregnancy and birth, but um, seeing what it was capable of was extraordinary. And that really was a turning point for me, um, especially when I broke my elbow halfway through the training and oh, wow. used the pain management module to great effect. <laughs> great. So, so, yeah, but um, I was a policy advisor before, so I worked a lot with research and evidence and, and strategy. So it was quite an interesting diversion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. And so, you know, on the topic of, of hypnosis specifically, tell us a little bit about, about how you define hypnosis and perhaps how you arrived at that definition. And, and also, I'd be interested to know whether there's any difference between, you know, your own understanding or your own explanation of hypnosis and how it gets explained to the, the mums, the, the, the many mums-to-be that you get in contact with. It's an interesting one because I often struggle with the definition of hypnosis actually. Yeah. Because I don't think I don't think we really know what it is. Mm. And so we talk about heightened awareness, heightened suggestibility, um, engineering shifts in consciousness to change behaviour, um, bypassing the critical mind, all of those things. And I, I do try and talk to my clients in a way that makes that very simple. But I do think that we're we're manipulating consciousness in quite an interesting way without, and I think it's quite instinctive hypnosis as well. Um, and I, I work very instinctively with my clients and I find yeah. I can tune into them at a, a deeper level that I can't really rationally explain. Sure. Um, and I've, I've just started reading a book actually, cause I was mulling over this and um, it's, there's an exhibition on at the welcome um, at the welcome um, centre in London at the moment, yeah. I trust, called States of Mind. 
and Mark Haddon has just bought out a book alongside the ex- um, exhibition. And he starts to look at this, um, the consciousness and what consciousness is. And I think that's a lot of how I see hypnosis as it's somehow linked to our consciousness. And, but we don't really know what that is. Yeah. Um, it's the simple way I would say it, I say to clients is we're just bypassing your critical mind and working with that deeper part of your consciousness. Sure. Um, so um, when I'm explaining it to mums who come and see me for birth, I just say it's a way of, I, I use this description in my book. I say, imagine that your um, brain is like the British Library. So whereas the British Library has every single publication that's ever been um, produced in it, yeah. your brain has every single experience you've ever had in it. And it's sectioned into different reference sections and and when you take out information from that, that library in order to do something, you can only take seven books at any one time. That's your limit. And mm. that's, that's like the exchange between your deeper unconscious and your, your um, awareness of, in that moment. Sure. And I do little exercises to describe that to them and talk about spotlights. And so I try and make it as simple as possible because I think descriptions and definitions of hypnosis can get overcomplicated for people sure just i think it's a it's it's quite simple really yeah and i suppose you don't really want things to be to to to, to be overcomplicated when um you know you've got you've got more important things to be discussing like like having a baby and and so on i think it's the same at every single client it's how what how can you explain it in a way to them in a few a few minutes that makes sense and is going to um, give them a sense of belief that you can make that change within them because of how how hypnosis is? I think that's quite challenging. Sure, um, sure. So. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned your own book there, which which is doing incredibly well currently. Um, um, can you tell us a little bit about the sort of books and authors that that have that have taught you the most, and and perhaps even share with us some of your major influences in this field, some of the teachers that have been most influential upon you, and the reasons why? Well, I suppose I'm a, I'm a linguist by trade. I did a degree in languages. I did a master's in languages, and I did um, as part of my master's, I did a lot of critical theory, yeah. um, a lot of Jungian psychology um, as well. Yeah, and and so I'm naturally attracted to Ericsson because of the way he uses language and tells tells stories. Right. Um, I use a lot of my speciality was metaphor in literature, and and so. That for me, symbolism. So that for me works very, very well yeah. as, as a practitioner. Um, it's also probably largely the way I was taught, to be fair. And so I, I haven't veered much off that path because it feels very comfortable. But I also very much like David Groves's work. And um, I work a lot with metaphor and imagery. Yeah. And his, his work around clean language. Clean language, yeah. It's fantastic. Mm. I get such good results with um, clients, some clients with that. Um, it just works so well. Um, so I think those are the two that I like using and yeah. find I gravitate towards. And that's largely because of my own background, academic background, and with how I was taught. Yeah. 
And 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 what about uh, um what about you know just 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 sidestepping hypnosis a little bit as well? What about you, you, the kind of influences with regards to to to, to birthing and with regards to the, the hypnosis approach? Or was that something that you? I mean, obviously we're going to explore this later on in our discussion. But was that something that you that you wholly created for yourself, or were you influenced, or did you did did you explore other approaches? I definitely explored other approaches. I mean, the person that I listened to when I was pregnant um, wasn't anyone particularly well-known, I don't think. No. It was just some CDs I got off- offline, yeah. online. Then I read Marie Mongan's Hypnobirthing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did her training, but didn't really click. And yeah. I did some training um, with someone in the States, and I did some training with someone else. So I did explore lots of different ways of how hypnosis was applied to birth, but none of them really worked for me, which is why I ended up creating my own. Yeah. So, And I think um, there's a lot of criticism of Marie Mongan's form of hypnobirthing, and I think she it's a shame because she was revolutionary in how she introduced it in a way that was... Um, adaptable for main, for modern day obstetrics, yeah. but she hasn't really evolved, evolved it as a technique. Um, and and birth, there have been so many changes in the landscape around birth recently, and certainly in the last ten years. And her method hasn't really evolved to adapt to that, which is a shame. And I think people are very critical of it because of that. Yeah, um, it feels quite old fashioned, but loses sight of the fact that she was a pioneer really in some ways mm. even mm. though other people were using it before that way way back yes um, I think she packaged it very well yeah yeah so, um, and a lot of other programs that are out there at the moment um, are uh, anglicized versions of it made yeah. a bit more you know, language has changed and and so it's more um, consistent with how people speak and communicate, and mm. um, so now around birth. That's so, really interesting. Yeah. Um, um, t- tell me then. I mean, w- w- throughout these years, and you know, you've you've worked with a lot of people. Um, t- tell me, Sophie, what have been some of the more the, or, the, or the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've witnessed? I mean, you you mentioned the, the pain that you were having when you broke your elbow. You mentioned your own childbirth experience. Um, um, and and what about what about some of the things that that you've that, you know clients you've worked with or things that you've actually directly witnessed yourself as well? Well, there are a few things. I mean, I did. I think the first one that I saw that blew me away that I actually saw that blew me away was Elman stammering video, the stuttering. Mm. That I just thought that was incredible, yes. um, and that was a turning point for me. I think in terms of how I saw hypnosis and recognised suddenly it somehow it linked for me. It linked that language and the use of language and that I'd learned about and the application. So that was a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of my practice, seeing a woman, um, seeing a woman in labour and midwives not believing she's in labour is quite impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and another one which I loved and just it's a very simple one, but it really stands out in my mind and I think is a good example of how someone may come to you with a very complex problem, but actually it can be resolved very quickly depending on their belief and intention. Um, And that was someone who came to see me with a severe fire spider phobia. It was really, really bad. 
And um, it was all wrapped up with her mother's death as well. So it's quite symbolic. And she had nightmares of spiders and it was just everywhere for her. And in my mind, I was thinking, right, this is going to take a few sessions to unravel a bit and work through because there are several things coming through. And I, I remember after the end of the first session, I said to her, you know, she said, I just want to get out there and see a spider. And I said, well, okay then, we'll look up above your head because there's one that's been sitting above you on the ceiling this whole session. <laughs> and she just looked up and she burst out laughing. Great. And, and I just thought, you know, it was just, wow, sometimes it just, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's, hypnosis is just incredible. Yeah, I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, um, now, now, tell us, if you can go back... To, to, to when you started out in this field um and and you, you know you, you've been on some journey um and, you know, knowing what you know now um is there anything you do differently and if so what and you know is there any advice that the person you are today would give that younger you that you'd happily extend to to, to other hypnotherapists of today yeah i mean when i i, I just went on the first and nearest course to me and that's yeah. something i would definitely change um, I always I get quite a lot of people contacting me and asking me um, who would I recommend, which training courses, um, and you're one of them. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Great, thank you. But um, I would say don't go for the course that you can do the quickest or the nearest. Yeah. Um, if it, you have to wait six months to do the right course, wait. Um, research the different courses. Find out the one that works for you. Um, there are so many different approaches, and I didn't know that when I started out. I, I, and I sometimes think, oh, I wish I'd done that course, or I wish I'd done that course. And it's so much money you're investing mm. um, that you need to be sure that you've made the right decision retrospectively. Um, and And also, I think even now, sometimes I have moments when I get a little bit hung up on, oh my gosh, my course wasn't good enough or I didn't learn as much. And and when I did my supervisor training with you, Adam, um, I, 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 one of the people I was doing a practice with had done a different course to me and they named a lot of techniques differently, which really threw me. I thought, oh gosh, they've learned all these really flashy techniques that I don't have. And, <laughs> and then I realized they were just named for they they just renamed and slightly tweaked techniques that I had learned so I think I'd say that a lot of hypnosis is actually very similar it's just tweaked and changed by certain schools so try not to get hung up on that sort of thing as well um but I do wish I'd done something I did a very sort of progressive relaxation Ericksonian type approach in my training Mm -hmm. and I wish that I'd done something a bit more dynamic um and that's what I mean. I'm quite interested in doing your cognitive work, actually, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't do anything like that, really. And a lot of the work I do do about goal setting is really my own research. And a lot of the cognitive work I do is is extra CPD I've done and extra training I've done. Mm-hmm. And I wish that had been integrated in my initial course. But yeah. you know there are so many fantastic courses out there and the training schools are running great CPD. So if, even if you do a course and afterwards you think, you know what, I don't feel confident enough or I want to do more in that area or I wish I'd done some of that, you will find a CPD course that fits that somewhere. Yeah. So my advice would be as well, just keep doing your CPD and, um, and look, look out for more courses after you've trained. 
I think that is some excellent advice. Really, really spot on. You know, I think um, many people do exactly what you've said there. You know, because. I encounter a lot of people that come on come on our advanced courses, for example. Perhaps they listen to this podcast, perhaps they've read my blog or something along those lines, and um, and started thinking, you know, what, what, oh, he seems to use quite a lot of long words um, um, that, that I'm not familiar with, and suddenly and suddenly start to think, you know, um, um, there's that there's other stuff to learn out there, and so I think getting your first course right is really important um, um but but exactly as you've said if, if you don't get it right there is so much other stuff out there that you can go and learn and that you can go and develop and build upon um tell me then sophie tell me tell me your thoughts what are your thoughts on evidence-based approaches to hypnosis well i'm probably a bit woohoo actually <laughs> <laughs> i try not to, i'm married to um someone with a phd in biochemistry so he keeps me on the right track. Good. Um, so I don't offer anything like past life hypnosis. Um, you know, I, I, I'm interested in exploring it with some of my friends sort of behind closed doors. And I'm, I'm intrigued about consciousness and where that takes us. And, um, and so I like to explore those things. Yeah. But I never offer them as a treatment. I have had people ask me for it as part of their treatment. Mm. And my belief is that if that's part of their belief system and that's part of the vehicle for their healing, then I would use it. But I would never offer something like that. I do work from a very evidence-based approach. Um, And I suppose I like to be able to offer clients that evidence. And I think my client base reflects that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't get people contacting me for um, past life regression or any of any of that side of hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get a very a, a clientele that um, approaches me specifically for things like phobias, weight loss, IBS, because they see that I've got more evidence based approach on my website. Um, and I think it's important not to cross those over. To be honest, I think you have to decide you're going to be one or the other. Um, and and so for me, I, I just feel more comfortable working from an evidence base um, with with clients, what, with my paid-for work. Yeah. But I like the fact that, you know, I feel quite open to exploring other things in my own life, and, and I think that's a healthy balance. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, absolutely. Um, um, Sophie, t- the people that are listening um, um, today, where, where can they go to learn more about your work, your approach, and so on? Um, well, I suppose my main area is the Mindful Mama work. So it yeah. would be mindfulmama.co.uk with two M's. Um, yeah. or, the, my, um, or if they were interested in learning about what I do, it's the Mindful Hypnobirthing book. That's a really comprehensive look into the application of hypnosis into an application of hypnosis um, for birth. And I look as well, I touch on the um, crossover between um, mindfulness and hypnosis. Yeah. I've got quite, um, quite interesting views about that in terms of birth. Um, And I've certainly developed those um, in a lot more detail over the past few years. Um, So that would be the book on my website. Great. Well, we'll put a link, we'll put a link to the book. Yeah. yeah, 
we'll make sure that there's a link to the book um, as well as your website um, um, underneath the page uh, at the foot of the page for, for this particular episode um, um, and and some of that stuff you've just been talking about there we're going to explore that in a lot more depth in a short while um, for now thank you very much Sophie we will be back with Sophie Fletcher in just a few short moments <music> I really enjoyed that. Um, one of the things I love about getting to uh, chat away each week to so many hypnotherapy professionals and uh, and hypnosis professionals is that they do tend to communicate beautifully. And certainly Sophie was no exception. And as I said, we'll be back with Sophie for our professional discussion in a short while. Um, let's have a look at this week's hypnosis in the news. There are three stories I wanted to focus in on today. Our first story is entitled Lancashire Primary School Hires Hypnosis therapist to help children with stress and depression. And this story seems to have polarised opinion both with uh, the, the, the consensus of the general public and of the hypnotherapists that I've seen discussing it online. And this is the story whereby a primary school um, here in the UK has hired a hypnotherapist to help children as young as four to cope with stress and depression. Um, I think some people have found that it was um, it was sort of almost tinged with a, a an air of sadness to read that, uh, that any four-year-old in the world, especially here in the UK, would need hypnotherapy to deal with stress or depression. Um, the Daily Mail does highlight that the NHS does not currently recommend hypnotherapy for clinical practice, and they go on to add that it can be offered uh, by people with very little training, which doesn't frame the article well. However, you know, I really was delighted to read that there is such a school that's going to have someone on hand to help equip pupils and teachers with a number of life skills to help them manage their mind. And it's good for the field of hypnotherapy to, to get such a spotlight in this way, where hypnotherapy gets associated with some everyday applications and real world applications rather than sort of usual media portrayals of woo woo hypnosis. The second story I wanted to highlight this week was uh, and is rather entitled Bristol Mums Could Get Birthing Budgets to Fund Hypnosis on the NHS. So um, this is whereby some uh, um, um, people in Bristol are beginning to get together with this notion of funding birth uh, experience on the NHS. Pregnant women um, in the UK, in Bristol, could be given an allowance worth up to £3,000 to plan their own birth services. And these new proposals suggest that women in Bristol and across England uh, should be given a budget so that they can choose their own maternity services, the maternity services that they want to receive, you know, including birth one-to-one midwife visits and of course hypnotherapy of interest to us and I love the idea that's central to this that people and their choices are to be valued and are of primary importance you know that people are capable of choosing what's right for them and their own care rather than simply being dictated to by local councils for example. I also love that it means hypnotherapy has the potential to derive more publicity and get showcased by more mums-to-be. Um, and I think that particular story is really relevant to what's going to be discussed with Sophie later on in today's show. Finally, and this next story really is one of those and finally types of stories. Our third story this week is entitled Kidnapping Victim Hypnotised to Recall Details About Attacker. And that sounds like a very usual and regular, OK type of uh, a headline. Um, 
This is a story whereby investigators say that William Rees um, may actually be tied to a missing persons case that's been explored over in the US. Um, for three days, they've been looking out on a site, uh, looking for remains of the body of Jessica Kane. Very sad story. Um, um, and Rees has been assisting in the search all while in police custody. Um, anyway, they interviewed a lady um, 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 and talked about um, um, and referred to the testimony um, given by a lady regarding Reese, um, saying, I was scared, I was in shock, I was shaking. Um, this was her testimony back in 1998 regarding William Reese, who who's potentially tied to this, this other case. Um, and Reese had abducted Sandra Sapau assaulted her and took off with her in his truck um, um, and uh, its testimony um, um, was one that was remembered thanks according to this article to Sue Dietrich um, um, and she says I'm the reason he's sitting behind bars for 60 years um, this is Sue Dietrich the uh, former police chief of Tiki Island Dietrich was the Tiki Island police chief at the time. And while the crime happened in Webster, investigators called upon Dietrich for help. They asked if she would hypnotise Sapau and Dietrich agreed to do it. Now, the next quote is what I want to highlight today because this is what Dietrich said. Your subconscious stores everything and hypnosis is just an opportunity to allow your conscious mind to rest so you can recall what's in your subconscious mind. And you know what? This is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's really misleading. Yet sadly, it's a very prominent ideology still in some parts of our field. Firstly, you know, the evidence shows that hypnosis does not guarantee veracity. That is, um, you know, it doesn't guarantee that someone is speaking the truth just because hypnosis is being used. And that's the reason that it's virtually not used anywhere in the world for eyewitness testimony anymore. In fact, there's a couple of cases that uh, involve hypnotically induced eyewitness testimony that are in the process of being overturned. Secondly, you know, science has proven it. Memory is reconstructive. You do not have a, a separate entity that is a subconscious mind that literally stores everything in it. That's not how memory works. Memories are not things. The process of memory is a reconstructive one. And like I said, science proves this. We reconstruct memory according to the person we are today. It is filtered and influenced by who we are today. Our life experience, opinions, attitudes, expectancies and so on. The problem really gets worse, though, because hypnosis enhances how much someone believes in the memories that come up during a hypnosis session, thus increasing the risk of false memory. All of these issues I discuss in far greater detail in the Roy Hunter episode of this podcast, where we discussed regression and I gave a fairly firm critique. Um, do go check it out if you wish to explore that subject in any more detail. Um, links to these media stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion then. I welcome back Sophie Fletcher. When I spoke with Sophie and we were catching up, it became very apparent to me that she was personally as well as professionally invested in the notion of women having a positive childbirth experience. And she related to her own birth experience with her own children. I get to ask her about the Mindful Mama process, how it came to be, what it's all about. 
So here is this week's professional discussion with Sophie Fletcher. Enjoy. So I'm back now with Sophie Fletcher. Sophie Fletcher of Mindful Mama. We sort of touched upon it a little bit earlier on. We're going to discuss it and explore this a little bit further today. Um, Sophie, welcome back. Before before we sort of start rolling our sleeves up again and getting into the nuts and bolts of it, could you just give us a brief overview? What, What actually is Mindful Mama? Well... It was actually born in a pub just outside Melton Mowbray mm. um, with my colleague, Mia, Fle- Mia, um, Mia Scotland, who's a clinical psychologist. Mm. And we both taught Mong and hypnobirthing. Um, we trained at the same time, but at different ends of the country. Yeah. And so yeah. we didn't know there was someone training nearby. So when the new people got put on the website, so I realized she was 20 minutes down the road, which was rather nice, actually. I'm all for people being close together and working together. So we met up, we got on really, really well. Um, We taught it, but both of us had certain issues with how it was taught. Um, First, that it didn't really fit with um, the UK birthing landscape, but also some of the hypnotherapy scripts didn't sit right with me. I couldn't actually bring myself to say them. Mm. And um, I thought structurally were quite... um, weren't written in the right way yeah and um and also i had certain issues with the philosophy around it um and pain-free birth was one of them i had an issue about teaching um i'll talk about that a bit more yeah Um, but so we sat down and we thought a it's it's not that accessible because it's run over five weeks and you had to run it over five weeks she's very strict about that and so in today's busy life, you know, people are busy, they're, especially when they're about to have a baby. So people couldn't commit to five weeks in a row for two hours on a Saturday or something. And, um, and also it's quite expensive. So a lot of people who really would have benefited from it were saying, oh, I can't do it because it's really expensive. And so the people who were doing the course were people who were really bought into hypnosis and really bought into that approach already. Yes, and the yeah. people who weren't doing it were the people who'd, heard about it, were interested, but didn't really want to invest that amount of money. And actually, they're the people you want to get. They're the people who you can really change their thinking. So, um, so yeah, we decided on doing just a one-day class um, that was more based on behavioral psychology and hypnosis and more of the, um, more of the research that was coming up around that, um, as opposed to just hypnosis scripts and, and a few um, techniques. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was born in a pub and it's, I think it's nearly, it's eight, nine years it's been going now. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, Mia and I eventually, um, after a few years, Mia and I, we, I took on my for mama because Mia wanted to work more locally and focus more on doing workshops and she's doing a lot of work around depression now, perinatal depression. Yeah. And I took on, carried on with the mindful mama and it's just really, we still work together, we still live you know, meet up quite a lot and influence each other's work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's worked out really well. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And so it started as it started as a, a one day workshop. Yeah. And, and, and but it's 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 grown and developed into into much more, hasn't it? It has. And it's it's I have two small children. Well, they're not so small anymore. They're 11 and 12. Mm. But I had two small children when I started this. And 
We all, you always used to joke about, yeah, being a global business and this, that, or the other. And, but it wasn't, I never really wrote a business plan. I was, I never really set out to do it. It just grew through word of mouth. It's, it's been extraordinary. Um, and even up until last year, I was, I've got 30, about 30 people who teach the course across the country. Yeah. One in Brazil, one in Australia, um, one in Bermuda. Um, wow. Um, so all over the place, but I really was reluctant to jump on the tra- training bandwagon because it's a lot of marketing, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy, and I'm, home home life, homework balance is really important to me. Mm. So I didn't really jump on that until this year um, and really start to bring it together. But the book, in between all of that, the book was published. I wrote a book. And that wasn't, I didn't even go to a publisher. Someone who was a commissioning editor read my blog, because I love writing, had read my blog and said, I think, you know, you're really hitting a market. Have you thought about writing a book? And I said, well, yeah, I thought about it. But, and she was great. She introduced me to a few um, publishers like Hodder and Stoughton, Macmillan, um, Random House, who eventually published me. And um, it was just really easy for me I have to yeah. say I, I didn't struggle to get a publisher or anything and um, and yeah and they you know they just took off and yeah. so the book you know Mindful Mama and the book just I mean we just tapped into the zeitgeist I think and yeah. just really hit it just really hit a spot for, for women and I get letters from all over the world of people who've read the book now saying thank you so much for writing it and um, all I wrote down was what was fed back to me from other women and what my experience was as yeah. a, a hypnotherapist and a doula so and um, um, has, has, it, has it developed since since you first started I mean, has, has, has it developed and changed? I mean, uh, um, n- not just the book, for example, but the process that you engage in. I mean, um, uh, you know, based upon the feedback and, and how popular it's been, do you yeah. think, you know, there's a case for your second edition being revamped or, or whatever, if, if there is one and so on? I think the fundamentals that are in the book won't change enormously, but oh, how right. I teach and how I communicate that does. I see it as very fluid. Um, yeah. And, you know, I see the whole the Mindful Mama and all the practitioners as, as like a living organism almost. Yeah. And we, we interact with each other. We, um, if a practitioner's got a great new technique and lets me know, I'll let all the other practitioners know. I'm quite flexible in how the course is delivered. It has course objectives. And if a hypnotherapist, if a practitioner is a hypnotherapist and has a better way that they feel they can deliver a certain objective then I'm fine with that as long yeah. as the objective is delivered. And I do sort of checks on, I do um, feedback forms and things like that, so I know whether it's it, it's been delivered well. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's constantly changing. And even the class itself, I find it's a real balancing act. And I've been very careful about who I've trained because the people... I feel that need to go into the class have to be able to balance what's going underneath the surface yeah. and each class takes a different direction based on who's in it and their interactions and so and that is very dynamic in how it how it operates yeah and I think that's at a macrosomic level in terms of the organization and at a, um, and a, a microscopic level when you're working in a class um, 
and and so yeah down to the individual client and what you yeah. do with them I'm, that I'm makes a lot of sense it. yeah it's definitely not set in stone so um, yeah and you mentioned some of the the, the fundamentals then so you you said you know that the the book itself for example and and um, the process has a has a number of core fundamental principles um um could you could you share with us um, um a couple of those or some of the ideas behind that and pe- perhaps even tell us about how that varies from some of the other kind of approaches to to, to hypnobirthing out there. Yeah, I mean, this took me quite a few years to get my head around. Uh, there was something in teaching the other courses that it just didn't fit right with how I viewed birth. Mm-hmm. And for me, birth is very much about opening up to what's happening in the moment. You don't know where it's going to take you. And you can prepare for it, and, and mentally and emotionally but I don't think you can ever predict what's going to happen and so the tools that you take into a birth for me are very different to how other um, methods teach. Yeah. One of the big issues I had was women feeling they'd failed because they didn't have a pain-free birth or they had a cesarean or they had an induction or, or whatever because it hadn't been a candlelit water birth at home or something. Yeah. So I think um, there's a lot of misconception about hypnosis and birth. Um, the, so I wanted to move away from that. And it's the first thing I wanted to make sure was that every woman had a positive experience, irrespective of what turn their birth took. And that's about working with a woman antenatally hip, with hypnotherapy, um, using sort of some forms of um, cognitive hypnotherapy, um, to change their belief around birth. Mm. And so for me, it was very much about getting people prepared with hypnosis, so really working with what's under the surface antenatally so that when they went into the birth, they weren't dependent on tools and techniques. But Because that, for me, that completely contradicted what you were trying to do with hypnobirthing because mm, about switching off your thinking brain so switching off your neocortex and it's if you're thinking about what techniques to use at which moment you're actually using your neocortex and I really struggled with that and so for me the hypnosis is the preparation and the birth is about being mindful so it's about getting a woman to a place where she really 100% believes that whatever course the birth takes she will be able to cope and manage and I think once she gets into that state of mind, all the fear falls away. So you, so then that you've reached your goal of a woman going into a birth um, free of fear. So she's offsetting that um, adrenaline response, a stress response. Yeah. So you're getting people automatically into that state by the preparation you're doing. And then all they need to do is be mindful. And for me, the techniques during the birth are there if a woman needs them. They're not there to definitely use she doesn't Mm. have to use them so I talk a lot about being in each moment in the birth and taking each moment as it comes and if she needs a little bit more yeah um, and sort of go into her bag and use her techniques if she needs that but she doesn't have to use them and that that was a turning point I think with the class um and I do have a lot of women who are higher risk who perhaps aren't um as bought into the process as women who might do other courses. 
but they're having very positive experiences, even though they may have had intervention. Um, and that, I think that's about setting a mother up for motherhood, really. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, for me, it, it's, the focus is not on the type of birth she has. It's on how she feels afterwards. Right. And I think that's more... Um, we focus very much. I think if you get someone to the right state of mind, they're inevitably going to have a better birth. Um, and so that's, I see that as, as, as largely part of the work. But then really the focus for me is having a mother really well set up for those early days and yeah. having a sort of experience. That makes, that makes a huge amount of sense to me. And, and um, the way in which you've explained it is is really really fascinating it's intriguing t t tell me um, you, you mentioned earlier you know that you had um, um you made reference to this notion of a pain-free birth um, yeah. um, um, um could you could you expand upon that that notion a little bit well i think that is an interesting one and it's become you know it's been attacked the whole, whole idea of pain-free birth has been i think a Bit of, I think a bit of a myth, I'm going to be really frank, around hypnosis. There are women who have pain-free births, and I know them, and I've met them. Mm. And I believe, and I know that hypnosis is incredibly powerful, and that it can give a woman a pain-free birth. But I think you have to establish a really deep sense of belief or work with someone at quite a deep level to get them to that point. Yeah, They have to be some way along that path already. I would, it would be very difficult in a class to take a woman, it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy, it would be very difficult to take a woman who was um, at the bottom of that hierarchy and get her to the top in terms yeah. of that, in one, in one class. But if someone's already halfway there, it's a lot easier. And I think it's also about physiology as well. Um, I think, you know, certain women who then the right state of mind and they have um, a certain physiology they do have pain-free births and I I know hypnosis is very powerful and I know people can have operations under hypnosis but getting a woman to believe that to a point that she really doesn't expect pain during birth mm. I think is quite challenging and and so I think you can get there but I don't think it should be sold as that no. because when women feel if they do feel anything during birth, and I use this, I use this description. If you're told that you're going to experience the worst pain ever um, when you have a baby, and then you feel a sensation you've never felt before um, in labour, your brain just puts, "Oh, I was told to expect this mm. with this experience." Then the sensation is given that label of pain. Yeah. So we do talk about intense sensations and strong sensations and. And, and changing those sensations and being able to manage those sensations. Um, and, um, and so we just reframe them. And I think once you reframe them and in lots of different ways, um, then it takes the fear out of that. And then, then because you've taken the fear out of it, they do feel much more manageable. And women often say to me, if I took my headphones off or I got out of the zone, the difference was phenomenal in terms of the physical experience of that feeling of mm. contraction. So, so I do know women who've had pain-free births, but I wouldn't sell it as something for a pain-free birth. But yeah. I do discuss yeah. that during a class and that concept and why that is. Yeah. Um, I, so, think that's, I think that's fascinating. I know that, uh, you know, I know that there are, that there are a wide number of studies that, 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 that relate and correlate mindfulness with, um, with, with pain reduction, as well as, as well as, 
um, um, hypnosis, you, you know, as far as that's concerned. Um, um, how do you how do you make the distinction between them and their application then within within the process yourself? So the different forms of managing pain. Well, well, um, um, really, how you how you sort of how, how you pitch the the different application of being mindful and and using hypnosis or self hypnosis, for example. Well, I, d- I have a little diagram in the book, and it's just a circle of a woman, and I say to them. This is your birthing zone. If you were completely in, in, if you hadn't used hypnosis and lived in a society that was completely accepting a birth, that it was the most natural process in the world. Um, for example, Amish communities, they have, they grow up around women who are birthing and they have yeah. very different statistics to us um, when in, in a more medicalized environment. Yeah. And, and I say, when you're in this zone, um, your body automatically produces all these amazing hormones and endorphins and uh, natural painkillers. Um, and when you're so when you're in this zone, you're, if you're in each moment and accepting in each moment, then you're in a state of mindfulness, a state of presence. But if for any reason you find yourself drifting out of that zone and starting to become more alert, then you can use hypnosis to get back into that zone. Right. So um, I see that hypnosis is a tool to get back into a state of mindfulness during birth and for a woman to regain that control, to anchor her back into that natural state of presence that women have during birth. Um, And I also, I think for me, my mum's, a specialist in mindfulness and my sister's got a master's in it so we have a lot of discussions right so yeah and, and my mum thinks I'm far too simplistic about it but I think you have to be to explain it to people um who've had no experience of it and for me mindful um mindfulness is very much about accepting those um sensations and feelings as your in your body as they come up each with each contraction or movement whereas hypnosis is more about um, distracting, you're using a distraction technique or, or, or taking yourself away from that feeling or changing that feeling. Mm. So they are very, there are very subtle differences in how they're used during birth. So mm. one is acceptance of that rise of the contraction within you and the sensation and the feeling and being and placing awareness on it, whereas hypnosis is more about maybe using counting or tapping a foot or um, whatever distraction technique you've got. Mm. Um, or maybe even I use a lot. I use Groves. I use um, lovely little visualizations, pain management visualizations for a contraction as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, quite distinct in how how women use them. And you generally find that a woman will gravitate to one more than another as well. We test them out in a class. Oh, interesting. Yeah, some people prefer the mindfulness, and some people prefer the hypnosis. It just works differently on different people. Yeah. So. Um, you know what? I, I I could just keep talking to you and asking you about this stuff. I, I'm really really intrigued, fascinated. Um, and again, if people want to go and learn more about it, hypnotherapists want to go and explore this. For example, mindfulmama.co.uk. That's where they go, is it? Yeah, you can go to mindfulmama.co.uk. Um, there's more in the book. The book's much more comprehensive. Yeah. Um, I also if it, I also train people, so if anyone was interested in teaching it, yeah, um, I train practitioners, um, and I also do a CPD course with Mark Davis at the UK yeah. College. So start starting this year, yeah. So um, and we'll put links to all of those things um, under this particular episode. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Great, great, great. So Loads there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I strongly recommend um, anybody listening do go uh, do go tuck into the book. Um, I'm very highly regarded and uh, does incredibly well. Um, Sophie, thank you. Thank you um, incredibly for for coming and being a part of uh, Hypnosis Weekly. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Adam. I thoroughly enjoyed that discussion. Some fascinating information there. My sincere thanks to Sophie for sharing so much. There's a link to Sophie's website at uh, this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. So let's move on to our hypnosis fact of the week. As I said last week, these have changed slightly going forward. They're now our evidence-based facts of the week. And I just want to qualify that, as I did do last week. Uh, Just because something is evidence-based does not necessarily mean it is actually a fact. And everything here is open to being superseded if new, better evidence is published uh, that we then yield to. However, calling it our evidence-based, potentially changeable point of the week is not quite as compelling. So I hope you'll indulge me calling it our fact of the week. And this is it this week. In a 1990 study conducted by Spanos, Williams and Gwynn, Hypnosis with suggestion significantly outperformed medication and other control groups in the removal of warts. Yes, you heard me correct, wart regression. This study uh, is also very interesting because it attempted to define the role of expectancy in wart remission. Those of you familiar with hypnosis research will know that um, expectancy can, can yield results in and of itself and so very often needs to be extrapolated. Expectancy with this particular study was measured and found to not guarantee wart remission, whereas hypnosis yielded impressive results regardless of levels of expectancy. And, um, you know, like I said, in a great many uh, hypnosis studies, such expectancy controls and guidelines are standard practice these days. Um, A link to that particular study with regards to warts will be on this episode page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. I do have many more exciting guests that I'll be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with our related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website. Next week I have a special edition, another special edition of Hypnosis Weekly. I'll be welcoming back two of our most popular previous guests, Jürgen Rasmussen who was my first ever guest here on Hypnosis Weekly, and the very lovely Craig Galvin. We cover lots of hypnosis-related topics and subjects. I cannot wait to share that edition with you next week. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered, explored accordingly. And please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. Thanks again to Sophie Fletcher. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eaton. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.